Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. That's what was so exciting about what Jesus was coming to do. As John the Baptist, the forerunner for Christ, announced when Christ was on the scene, it's in John chapter 1 verse 29, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, no longer covering it up taking it away. And it's a big difference. If your sins are covered up, and it's cool, you can't see them, but they're there. There's an awareness that they're there. But when it's taken away, it's taken away. Pastor Bill will talk more today about the animal sacrifices described in the Old Testament book of Leviticus. These necessary deaths were meant to cover your sin. The animal died so that you wouldn't have to. It took your place. However, as you just heard Pastor Bill say, The sacrifice only temporarily covered the sin. It didn't remove the guilt permanently from your life. Animal sacrifice would have to be performed again and again to continue to cover. That is, until Jesus came and he takes away sin forever. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. What part of killing my calf is for me? What part of bleeding it out is for me? What part of chopping it into chunks is for This is all for you, Lord. Total dedication. This is, this is what you want, and I'm only doing it for you. And it costs me. That we'll go down in just a minute. We'll, let's look at verse 3. If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. And... In verse three, I just listed out a few things where I saw just a relation or a parallel between what they were called to do and what Christ did for us. First of all, they were going to offer it of their own herd. It was going to cost them something. I'm reminded that God gave his only begotten son. God offered a sacrifice for you and I, and it cost everything. His only begotten son, he offered that up for you. And so God is calling them, hey, you're going to take one of your herd and you're going to offer it up. It's going to cost you something. It's going to be of value. And just so you know, in that culture, if you took an ox, and you offered, it'd be like taking your vehicle and saying, I'm going to offer this to the Lord. I, it was not a cheap thing. It wasn't like a, a, the work that those animals would do, the money that they would bring in, what it would supply for a, a family in that time. It was, a, it was a costly thing. Everybody couldn't afford to give one. But let's say that you were so blessed that you could afford to give one. That was a quite a big thing to give. And so you'll see in the chapter that God, he has different things. You can, you can give that. You can give a, this. And if you're really broke, Get a turtle dove or a pigeon, but you're going to offer something to the Lord. So everybody can give something. But turtle dove or a pigeon was, you know, that was what God did is made sure that your financial situation didn't prevent you from the opportunity to worship God. So he made an option that would fit for everybody. And so, again, it was of your own herd. It would cost you something. And again, in the same way that God offered up his only begotten son. Second, it had to be a male you were to offer up a male. And so I was looking into that. How come a male and not a female? My thought first was that, you know, if you breed animals, the female is the more important animal because she makes all the babies. She's the moneymaker. You know, um, if you breed dogs or something like that, the females are of more value. But the male carries genes. So if you're looking for certain, if you're looking at horses or something where you want to, they want to follow, we want those characteristics in this animal. They get it from the men. They get it from the male animals. And so... It would be the male animal. I just put it out there that Jesus was a male. And so I, I, I looked at it and wondered if it's just to keep that picture working. Um, I'm not sure. It had to be without blemish. You couldn't get your raggedy, one-eyed, 
you know, two teeth goat and offer it up to, you know, this one's on his last leg anyway, Lord, this is the Lord's goat, you know, or whatever. You were to give your best and it had to be without blemish, it had to be perfect. And so whatever you were giving to God had to be perfect, had to be without blemish. We know that Jesus, who died for you and I, that he was the spotless lamb. He was without blemish. He never sinned. He never made a mistake. He was a perfect, spotless lamb of God. And he died for us. And so when they were to offer up this to the Lord, it was to be perfect. You can't bring God your messed up, you know, bring God your worst. I remember working at a church and I would be amazed at what people would want to offer God. You know, there'd be an opportunity to give to help the homeless or to go to a mission field. And some people would give their best. They buy new stuff, nice stuff, bring it and bring it into the church office to go for the mission. Some people would be like, ooh, ooh, there's an opportunity to take that broke down couch where it is collapsed in the middle. It got critters inside of it. And this is my opportunity to dump this off on the church for charity. It's for the Lord. And I would just be amazed. You'd be sitting at the church office. We were there like as pastors, we had to tell people, no, nah, you got to take that back with you. We, we wouldn't give that to anybody in the name of the Lord. And, and you shouldn't either. You know, I don't even think goodwill want that bad will. This is what take that couch, you know, whatever. So it just be amazed at what people were willing to offer up. You're going to give that to the Lord. Is that how you do? And so we should all consider that, you know, they were to bring without blemish, bring your best. So as you walk through your flock and this is this is what it comes to, like it really deals with your heart. So you're walking through your flock and you're saying, we're going to pick one to offer the Lord. Some of that understands who the Lord is and loves the Lord. They're going to say, I want my best. I want that. This is the biggest, the most valuable. This I want to give this one to the Lord. Um, if your heart's not for the Lord, you won't do it like that. And I would challenge everybody here to think about, you know, Christmas is a time where people buy gifts. Everybody here, maybe not everybody, but maybe some of you guys understand what it feels like to there's somebody you really want to buy a gift for. I mean, you would spend everything you had to give them anything. that If you thought it would bless them, you would do it because you're just somebody that got you like that. They got some space in your heart where you just would. There's nothing you wouldn't give them. Some of you parents, that's your kids. Maybe it's your spouse or whatever. And then some of you got people that you're like, man, we got to get them something. Let's go to the 99 cent store and see what we can get where, you know, it'd be a big box. And we we'll wrap it up. It'd, it'd look nice till they unwrap it. You know, y'all know what I'm saying. There are people that you're like, man, we got to do something. And then there are people that you're like, man, I would, I'm just trying to figure out what, how much can I do? What can I do for them? So just have with that in your mind, consider how you do when it comes to sacrificing for the Lord. It reveals our own hearts. God, for you, anything, my best. In worship, I'm glad to be able to offer this to you. Maybe my time, maybe my service, maybe in my giving, but it's yours, Lord. But if it's something where it's like, oh, man, Lord, I'm going to give you this right here. Um, it reveals our own hearts. So they were to bring what they brought to the Lord. It was to be without blemish. Um, it was to be an act of worship to God. And uh, again, it would keep with the picture that Jesus was going to be offered up without blemish, without spot. The next thing, of his own free will. All these are in verse three. So it was going to be from your own herd, cost you something. It was going to be a male, cost you something like it cost God something. It's going to be a male like Jesus was a male. It was going to be without blemish like Jesus was without blemish. And it was going to be of his own free will. Of your, You're going to offer this of your own free will. It's not going to be something you're compelled to do, constrained to do. It's something you're going to do. You're going to be freely willing. God, I do this in worship of you. And we saw in the Garden of Gethsemane where Christ surrendered his will. He said, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, your will be done. If it's what you want, I'm willing. If it's what you desire, I'll do it. Free will. 
something you have to be willing to do in obedience. But it's not worship if you do it against your will. And so that's something that's um, right now I'm, 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 it's been on my heart to reach out to our young people, you know, and just some of the kids. And I'm trying to get with them and reach out to them. And I'm I'm trying to do it in a way where I stay away from I'm not I don't want to go through their parents because I realize with some of the kids, it's, it's like I want to see their true heart. Like, where are you really at? What's really on your mind? What do you really think? What do you really believe? And it's kind of a challenge sometimes with kids because so much of what they do, they do um, not from their heart, not out of sincerity because this is what my mom wants. This is what my dad wants. And that's something as a parent, that's something we have to try. I, I try to be cautious with that with my kids. I want them to develop their own sense of, now I'm still a parent, so if you want to just do stupid, I'm going to step in and say, no, you're going to do this. You know. But there is a point where you're saying, man, I want you to develop your own thing with the Lord. I want you to develop your own heart, your own appetite for the word, your own understanding of prayer. And so we want to guide him and coach him and help him to get to that point. It's something that we just pray for. We pray about, you know, but it's hard to see someone's true heart when it's compulsive. They have to do it. You know, I got to be here. And so I'm here against my will and man, that's what you got. Worship. You know, it's not worship for God today. I want it to be of your own free will. I want to be something that you're willing to do for me. And so consider that. Every single one of us are free moral agents. And with your free will, consider how you worship God with your free will. I realize every single day I'm, I spend as much time with God as I wanted to. I worship God as much as I wanted to worship God. I'm as obedient to God as I wanted to be. I'm as close to him today as I've chosen to be. If I draw near to him, he draws near to me. And so it's really up to you. I'm, my position is very clear. But where are you at? And so he invites him out. This is what I want. Moses, let them know this is what I desire. This is what I want. But it's got to be free will. They got to come on their own accord and bring these things to me. And so look at verse four. It says, then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. Before we look at that, when they would first bring the offering before the priest, it would be examined. And I just wanted to point out that the offering was examined, not the not the person offering it. And that's just another picture because who's been offered for you? Jesus, right? And so you and I are going to be able to stand before God because you're not being examined. Jesus was examined on your behalf. And so he's examined. He's found perfect and pure and holy. And so one of the, the beautiful things about the exchange that Christ has made for us is that, man, I, though I am what I am, though there's filth, though there's sin, though there's carnage, God said, I don't see it. I see Christ. He makes us be able to stand before the father. He makes it. He calls us to be able to stand before a holy God that we're not being examined um, as Christ's righteousness applied to us. And so we pass examination, not because we're righteous, but because his righteousness is applied to our life. Something every believer should be just thankful to eternity for is that God won't see you and see you. That when I stand before a holy God, I mean, and we just consider the holiness of God and the, the righteous the righteousness of God and just he just can't have sin in his presence. None of us would ever be able to make it. But because of Christ's righteousness applied to our life, we're going to stand before him and be received and loved and accepted. You know, I love that section in Jude where it says, you know, unto him who causes you to be able to, to stand. He causes me to be able to come before Christ. Jesus does that for me. I get to come before him because of what Christ has accomplished, because of what Christ has done for me. So again, in verse four, it says now then he's going to he's going to put his hand on the head of the burnt offering. And so 
This is where it's kind of personal. You brought that animal and you're going to get ready to offer it. And it says, and when it says put your hand on it, it's not like a light thing. It's you, you actually, it, if you look up the word, it's actually you're pressing, you're, you're pressing your hand upon this thing. And the, the idea of what's taking place here is that there's an exchange. God has set this up in the Old Testament that the, the innocent would die for the sins of the guilty. And that was a picture that would play out all the way until Jesus came. And it would be the ultimate, you know, that the, the righteous would die for the guilty. And so as they put their hand on this animal's head, it's a picture of, there's a transfer, my sins upon this animal. This animal is getting ready to be slaughtered for my sins. And so I read through this and I'm like, what would that, how would that impact a person though? You know, I know you might get to accidentally, you know, you killed an animal before. Maybe some people are just heartless. You know, they just, they'd be like, yeah, we're going to kill this animal and get some blood or whatever. But it's, I think it would be, I think God set this up that it would have an impact. I think, I think people walk away sorry sorrow over their sins that they would say man look at what my sins cost it's filthy the animal's got to die it's bleeding it's, it's got to be all chopped and cut up i believe that it had some kind of impact on a person and so your hand on this animal again a transfer of of your guilt onto this thing and it says um then he should put his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement we're going to see this word atonement I think it's 45 times in this book. It's going to be over and over again. And so um, if you write notes, write this down. What is it? What does it mean? What does atonement mean? Atonement means to cover sins. It's a covering. It's a temporary covering of sin. So in the Old Testament, the best that they had when they did all the stuff that God prescribed, the way God prescribed, the best they had was a covering. Their sins were covered that they might continue to engage and interact with the living God. But their sins weren't taken away. They were just covered. And that's what was so exciting about what Jesus was coming to do. As John the Baptist, the forerunner for Christ, announced when Christ was on the scene, it's in John chapter 1, verse 29. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, no longer covering it up, taking it away. And there's a big difference. If your sins are covered up, I mean, it's cool. You can't see them, but they're there. There's an awareness that they're there. But when it's taken away, it's taken away. You and I are living in that realm. Sins are taken away, washed away in the blood of Christ. They're not there. As far as the east is from the west, they're gone. They're not something we're going to be dealing with, confronted with. That should just bless you. You're not going to stand before God one day and give an account for all the sins because they're washed away. They've been washed away in the blood of Christ. That should be, again, for a believer, it should be something that we're thankful for, humbled by, but for these people here, all of this that they were doing, the animals, the sacrifice, the blood, the cutting, the chopping, everything we're getting ready to read, for a temporary covering, atonement, covered up. Sins will be covered up. Jesus is coming to take away the sins of the world. If you're writing notes, I'm going to read um, Hebrews 10, 1 through 4, just explaining further that, you know, the, the blood of animals, it wasn't able to do what Jesus was able to do. It was sufficient for them, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it was a shadow of what Jesus was coming to be in reality. And that's in Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to read verses one through four for you guys. It says, for the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. These sacrifices won't make you perfect. It says in verse two, for then they would not have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. 
But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Again, it only covers. And so Hebrews, as in that section of Hebrews, it's really as it's laying out what the sacrifices couldn't do. It's really moving towards the point of saying that. But Jesus did these things, that Jesus was a better sacrifice because he took away our sins. So moving on in verse five. Now it says he shall kill the bull before the Lord and the priest. Aaron's son shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around the altar. That is by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And so, again, in verse five, it says he shall kill. He's going to bring this animal. He's going to bring it down. It's going to be for offering for sacrifice. And he's going to bring it down and kill it himself. And again, I just ask you to consider, like, what's that like? I mean, I've killed animals on accident. I've killed animals on purpose when I was a kid and, you know, maybe hunting and stuff like that. Don't judge me. Um, But as a grown man, I remember driving and I ran over a cat. And BJ said, Dad, what was that? It just was. And I looked back and I felt terrible. It, it It went immediately stiff. It just rolled over and it went boom. And I was like, oh, man. And I was... I, was, I didn't want to go back, and I knew I couldn't help it. I was done, and I'm like, man, that people going to come out and murder me. You know, so I did. I just I went on home. I just kept on going. But I felt terrible. It felt bad. It wasn't intentional. It ran out in the middle of the street and everything else, but I felt, I felt bad. I don't even know the cat. I say that because I'm, I'm looking at these people, and they're offering animals that are, they're giving birth to these animals in their own homes, and they're being raised up around their kids and around their family. It's part of their own herd, their own flock. They have value to them, but they're also something that, you, I mean, you've been seeing this thing every day since it, came, since it got here. It's just hard to think that that wouldn't kind of bug you a little bit. You're going to go kill? You're going to kill Fluffy, Dad? You're going to kill whatever they, I don't know if they named them. I don't know if they, they tried to not get close or whatever, but I, I just have to believe that that had to be kind of difficult to do. And then you're going to kill it. You bring this thing down, you're going to put your hand on it, and then you're going to slit his throat. They were... They, they, they had ways, they had it figured out what to do, and they had certain arteries that they would whack and make sure it, it died and it bled out, and then afterwards, it's got to be all chopped up. But I look at this, and I think I at least believe that God wanted there to be an impact, um, that there would be sorrow over sin, that there would be a recognition that, man, my sins are costly. Look at what my sins create. And every time we celebrate communion, every time we look at what the Lord did, I believe that that's God said, I want you to remember, look at, look at what your sins did. Broken body, shed blood for you. He was innocent. You were guilty. He did this for you. You know, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me, he says. And so every time we celebrate communion, it's a reminder of that very thing for the believer. Look at what Christ endured for you. He was innocent. We were guilty. I think it should bring a soberness and a, a reality that, man, I, I can't go on living like that. I can't, I can't, I shouldn't go on in rebellion and sin. Look at what my sin costs, my Lord. I'm moving on now, verse uh, six. It says, and he shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. So now you put your hand on it, then you got to kill it. Now you got to skin it because the only thing that didn't get burnt in the burnt offering was the skin. So they had to skin it and then they were to chop it up. And um, I did a, now I skinned a small animal. And I'm telling you guys, that's, that's work. Me and BJ were going, um, now, just so you guys understand, there's, so I don't want anybody getting mad at me. There's certain kind of squirrels that are considered rodents. I know everybody thinks squirrels are cute. But um, I got friends that own campsites. Now, there's the tree squirrel, they're cute, right? There's ground squirrels, and they tear up the ground, and they mess up your foundation, and so they exterminate them. 
So I got a couple of guys that they'll tell me and BJ, that, hey, we're going to be calling the guys to come and exterminate. If you guys want to come with your BB guns or pellet guns and shoot some squirrels, you know, you guys can come shoot some squirrels. So we went on a, we were like, we're going to shoot one and we're going to get the skin and do all the things. So we got one and uh, we took it home and we're in the garage and we did, we cut it open and, um, and you had to pull his little arms off. It was like taking clothes off. <laughs> and you, had to, you had to unpeel it and everything else. And, um, you know, just to get the skins or whatever. And I remember it was just a squirrel. But once you got the insides open, it was, I could barely stand the smell of the, just the intros and stuff inside. And I'm thinking, man, they're doing ox. They're doing big animals that eat all day. This is nasty stuff. I, I'm, I'm pretty strong stomach. I was sitting there with BJ like... <laughs> I got a man up as my son, but it was hard, man. I, it was difficult to, to, to stomach, you know, just to get all that mess out and then just have the skin left or whatever. So, you know, I'm looking at what they're called to do here. And it's like, man, they got to skin it and then you got to cut it into chunks. Why? Maybe cutting it into smaller chunks so it, it would burn faster. I don't know, but it was going to be cut up into chunks. So and just pointing this out, if, if you guys remember the very first sacrifice in Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter three, verse 21. After Adam and Eve had sinned, after they got busted, after God dealt out punishments, it says that God put skins on them. And there was a, that, that means there was a sacrifice that had been offered for them and the skins had been preserved and it was put on them as a covering because their fig leaves wasn't doing it. So in keeping with that, the whole thing is going to be burnt up, but the skins are going to be taken off. All right. Verse seven, the sons of Aaron, the priests shall put fire on the altar and lay wood in order on the fire. Then the priests, Aaron's sons, shall lay the parts, the head, the fat in order on the wood that is on the fire above the altar. But he shall wash its entrails and its legs with water. And the priests shall burn all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire. And then it says this, a sweet aroma to the Lord. And so the entrails are taken out. They're going to be washed. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not gonna mess with my chitlin eating people here tonight, but they're gonna be washed and they're gonna that stuff's gonna be burned. And then it says also, um, and this is interesting, the legs are the legs are gonna be um, washed with water, and then they're they're gonna be uh, put up to be burned. And so I don't like to read in too much to stuff, but one of the books I was reading on this was suggesting, you know, why why are they washing the leg? You know, the leg is taken. It's been cut off. It's probably bleeding and they wanted to wash it in water. And, you know, they, they were saying it could be symbolic of the fact that Christ's leg was not broken. And um, then you had the blood in the water. And if you guys remember when Jesus was on the cross and he died, when they didn't break his leg, they confirmed his death by piercing his side and the water and the blood came out. Um, again, I, that's one of the things I read. I, I, I don't I'm not going to go too far with that, but. The legs are going to be washed. The entrails are going to be washed. It's all going to be put up and be burned. This is the thing that I want to note because I saw it three times in the chapter. The end of verse 9, the end of verse 13, and the end of verse 17, it says, a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. And I used to look at this and think, anybody ever, you know, you get up on the 4th of July, you smell your neighbor's barbecue, and it's a good, it smells good. It's a sweet, that's a good smell. It smells good as barbecue or whatever, carne asada down the street or whatever. But I believe the thing that's a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord is the obedience. That this is a, a free will offering, a sacrifice that costs his people something, something they're doing in obedience and love and honor of the Lord. And God says, this is a sweet-smelling aroma to me. And so 
You know, we're obviously don't offer up sacrifices and such today. But I believe that when we live like this, it's a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord. There are some things that the Bible speaks of that are a stench in the nostril of God. But this right here, God said, this is a sweet smelling aroma to me. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Thanks for tuning in. Leviticus is often a book that gets overlooked and misjudged. Though it seems to be full of meaningless and insignificant rules, nothing can be further from the truth. All of Scripture is so important to understanding not only your faith, but also the heart of God. When God created the Ten Commandments, they weren't meant to control. They were meant to help guide. God desires for all His children to understand that life in Him can be full and rich. And that's all God wants for you too. But He won't force you to live in Him or live by His guidance. You get to choose it. What a gift! If you're looking to dive deeper into Leviticus or other scriptures, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word of God on a daily basis. Look on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Leviticus. But before we go, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry financially. Any amount is appreciated. These teachings are broadcast on the radio and help spread the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful thing. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. We look forward to you joining Pastor Bill again next time, right here on A Transforming Word.